Welcome along, everybody. It's Friday, the sixth of November, twenty twenty, uh, from the from the resort podcast, Queenstown Life. I'm your host, Tim Wilshire. This is episode number five, and today we've got uh, a guest uh, who's an emotional intelligence expert. Her name is Kim Knight, and uh, from the Art Health. Welcome along, and thanks for being a guest, Kim. Thank you, Tim. And I guess the way we start off these podcasts, Kim, is we just like to find out a bit about your uh, early life so to speak. Uh, whereabouts were you born and uh, whereabouts did you grow up? Well, I grew up in the UK and you, people can probably spot that from my accent. And I spent the thir first 30 years of my life in the UK and then came to Auckland and uh, spent the next 30 years there and now just recently moved to Queenstown. Excellent. So um, UK background, whereabouts in the UK? Northwest London, so outskirts of London. Yeah. And uh, what was it like growing up in London and um, what sort of things did you get up to, I guess, as a, as a, as a, a, young, a youngster? Did you have like a big family? Um, what, was, what was the things like? No, I actually came from quite a small family. Um, and, you know, so, and, you know, we have these different class systems, which we don't really have so much here in New Zealand. So we, we could say, what was it, lower or upper? middle class, I think, was was the social strata that I came from. So, you know, my parents, well, my father was working and I went to the same school from the age of six to 16 and thoroughly enjoyed it. And then changed schools and went to a beautiful school in Gloucestershire for two years, for my final two years of school. And then I went to university in Reading, which is um, nothing particularly extraordinary about that place, but again, it was fun. So you first, um, before you get to those university sort of days, um, uh, your high school days and that sort of thing, can you remember what your uh, first job was? What was your, your first your first little part-time job that you may have had? Yeah, right. I can remember what my first job was. I was about 16 and my mother had sort of kicked me out the house and said, get out from under my feet. And so I walked down to the local shops and there was a greengrocer's there, which you don't really get anymore. Well, not, not a lot here anyway. And I just walked in and said, have you got any jobs going? And it was Christmas time and they needed extra help. And so I worked there for a month and it was, it was wonderful. I loved it. Excellent. So that's always a, and did you learn anything sort of out of that first job? What was the, what was any sort of lessons that you may have learned to, that you've taken? Well, you know, back then we didn't have calculators. We had to do all the sums in our head. So, you know, you got pretty good at, you know, people come in and they go, oh, half a pound of sprouts and I want, you know, a kilo of potatoes or no, it wouldn't have been a kilo. I don't know what, what, what would be the, well, a pound, a pound of, of uh, potatoes. And, you know, so you'd have like 10, 15 different things and you're just adding them up in your head. Yeah, no, you see, yeah, math, obviously those math skills adding up in your head and that sort of stuff. And um, so I guess you said uh, you went to university. Um, tell us about uh, what, I guess, leading up to the university, what sort of, uh, I guess, was the decision process at the time to sort of want to go to university and what did you end up um, studying first up? Well, actually, I didn't really know what the heck I wanted to do when I left school. I really didn't have a clue and everybody else was making their decisions. And I was like, well, I'm just going to apply to university because I simply don't know what else to do. And I thought, what am I going to study? Well, I like languages. So I went to study languages, but I took a gap year in between and I went to work in Switzerland and had a fantastic time working in hotels in Switzerland. Uh, Switzerland. So what part of Switzerland? Zurich or... 
I was in a place called Kandersteg um, that particular time, but I, I went back many times to work uh, during my university holidays to various places. Yeah. Is Switz I mean, to be honest, Switzerland is one of my uh, favourite places in the world. I visited there once. Um, I think it's only once I've been there. Yeah. Um, beautiful place. It's obviously lovely, and that's is that sort of uh, you like that sort of cold. You're sort of a, a fan of colder weather. Absolutely. I just, which is why I came to Queenstown. I love the cold. I love the alpine climate. I love snow. I love mountains. What is there not to love? <laughs> yeah. Yes, obviously that's, um, it makes all sense to me. Uh, I remember Interlaken was the place that we went oh, yeah. to about nine or 10 years ago. It was absolutely beautiful for Christmas 2011. Mm. Yeah. So going back to the UK, um, so university, how did that all sort of play out? Did you in, sort of enjoy those those times? And what did you end up getting out of that, to, I guess, coming out of university? Well, I was a pretty lazy student, I have to say. I spent most of my time on the tennis court or playing lacrosse or doing some sort of sport because that interested me a lot more. Uh, so I forced myself to go to lectures here and there. And by the time I got to the fourth year, Oh, no, that's because I had a third year out in Italy because I was studying Italian. Uh, had, that was an interesting time uh, because when I arrived there, even though I'd studied Italian for two years, they spoke so fast I couldn't understand a word. And I chose a place to live where there weren't, I purposefully went where there weren't, there wouldn't be English speaking people because I wanted to practice my Italian and ended up being incredibly lonely the first few months because there literally was no nobody else except one English guy I met who was an absolute uh he was very nice but he was a pothead and he was he was just <laughs> you know stoned all the time uh so uh yeah but you know by the end of the the year I was able to understand and you know had made some good friends but again I I didn't go to university I was meant to go to university there and I didn't go at all um looking back I'm thinking crikey what did I do with my time but I seem to pass it fine and then I got back and had my final year at university and then there's a real wake-up call of oh my goodness I've got nine exams to do and I've only actually been to classes for six of them so I've got you know in the space of a month I've got to catch up three years of you know for three subjects and somehow I managed to do it it was incredible I just hunkered down and studied the hardest I've ever studied from eight in the morning till midnight every day, uh, except one day off, my tutor said, you must take a day off. And, uh, and then I ended up getting a really good degree. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Excellent. So um, what was, I guess what was, of all the subjects that you did uh, at, in your university days, what was the, what was the um, I guess the one that meant the most to you? Well, I mean, there were various subjects within Italian, yeah. but I enjoyed learning. I didn't actually plan to learn Italian when I went to study. I had enrolled for German and French mm. and went to the first few weeks of, of those courses in the first year and thought how utterly boring they were because they were focusing on learning ancient French and ancient German and ancient this and ancient that. And I thought, what's the point of that? You know, I'm not going to use that in my everyday you know, life out in the world. So I switched to Italian and they were a much nicer, uh, more laid back department. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sure I learned a lot, but I, I, can't, I, <laughs> I couldn't really pinpoint anything right now on the spot of what I remember. 
Yeah. How many different languages can you speak then? You must be able to speak. Well, I used to be able to speak French, German and Italian fluently. And now they're all very rusty. My German's not too bad, but French and Italian are very rusty. Fair enough. And then after sort of uh, after you sort of uh, got out of uh, doing that at university, uh, what did you sort of do next? I guess as far as a career, what, 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 where did you sort of end up uh, going then? And when did you end up going to Auckland? I well, when I left the university, I went to work in London, and I had a whole host of pretty uh, uninteresting jobs, most of which I can't even remember. But in general, I was working in the tourism industry. And I worked overseas in Europe uh, and, and in London. And then I came after several years, I, in 1990, I moved to New Zealand and I just always had this thing that I just really want to come to New Zealand. Yes. Um, can you remember, uh, when was the first time you ever came to New Zealand? Was it not long before you, you moved or? Yeah, I actually came out because I was with a guy, a New Zealander, and we came out for a, a trip for a month. And the plan was that I was going to go back to the UK for a year and get some money together and he was going to stay in New Zealand. And when I got back to the UK, the company that I had been working for and had said that they would keep my job open, decided that they weren't going to keep it open. So I got back to the UK and had no job. And um, so the guy that I was with at the time who was back in New Zealand said, well, you might as well come over here. So a couple of weeks later, I was on a plane over to New Zealand. Excellent. So obviously, so the first port of call when, when you sort of moved to, um, to New Zealand, you said it was Auckland. Um, and then you've spent most of your time in New Zealand in Auckland. You've only sort of come to Queenstown more recently, I think you said. Um, but tell us about your time in Auckland. What did you, uh, what sort of, um, where did your sort of career take uh, shape then when you sort of got to, to Auckland and how did you sort of get into, I guess, what, what, it, what you're sort of leading in towards doing at the moment? Well, I, I, I say that I have a very colourful career because I've done so many things. And when I, a couple of years after I came to New Zealand, I decided to follow my dream at the time, which had been a dream for some time, which was to work in the film industry. And so I went and did a full year's training and got qualified to, you know, to work, to start working in the industry and started working in, in the industry. And then I came down with chronic fatigue and was diagnosed with chronic fatigue. And that led me on a completely different tangent. Uh, I previously, several years before, had clinical depression and I thought I'd got through that, but I hadn't really. And so when I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, I literally, I, I just walked into work one day and just quit on the spot because I just was exhausted. I couldn't go on. And that took me on a journey then of looking for well, what, what causes it because every therapist I went to had no idea. The doctors had no idea. Nobody could tell me why I was ill or how to get better. So I spent the next five years going to hundreds of therapists spending thousands of dollars and not really making you know full progress making a little bit of progress but not proper progress and uh was about to you know got to the point of thinking I'm, i i just don't know what to do anymore and and was lying in bed one day and thought what would i do if i only had a few months to live 
because you know when you've been ill for five years and you you know literally sometimes couldn't even drive couldn't even walk to the post box you know you start to wonder and uh and the, and the answer that came to me was well i would do this trip around the world that i've been dreaming of that i never ever thought i would do it's been a dream in my head but if I really thought I only had a few months to live, that's what I would do. Because you do tend to think differently when you start to ask a question like that. And then I asked myself, well, what, apart from being ill, what's stopping you doing that? And the answer was, well, nothing. So despite the fact that I was still ill, I decided that's what I was going to do. Somehow or other, I was going to do it. I mean, it seems quite bizarre now that I look back. And I sold my house, which I later regretted. But I sold my house. and set off around the world and was still looking for answers, going to therapists, trying to find answers, not getting answers and right at the and, and crashing every so often with fatigue and having to stay somewhere for a month because I couldn't move. And eventually at the end of the trip, I came across um, um, a, a man who then became my first teacher in health. And he said to me, he said chronic fatigue is not a lack of energy, it's blocked energy, and specifically it's blocked emotional energy. And that changed everything for me. And that was when I started my journey of understanding and learning about emotions and learning how emotional energy, if we don't, if we're not aware of it and it gets trapped inside us, it will it will cause such a blockage of energy in our body, we will experience symptoms. So that was what started my journey, which then later ended up, you know, working as a health professional. Wow, so that's a good story. Um, okay, so that's that's how you sort of got, to, I guess, uh, going in this sort of direction. Um, <clears throat> so what did you want to talk about next in, in your career? Anything in particular that you wanted to take this conversation now? Not really just prefer you to ask questions okay, okay. really boring of me isn't it <laughs> no, that's okay that's what i just let, i guess what i wanted to make sure you you know anything you wanted to talk about from that that, that uh, feel free to but uh, i guess uh, if not um uh queen let's talk a bit about uh, the move to queenstown then more recently because this is the podcast is about um i guess queenstown life in, 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 in a way um you said obviously you love the cold weather you love the mountains you love the, the clean air which is things that, that uh, are big here in Queenstown. Um, were they the sort of deciding factors or what, what were some of the other reasons to get away and go down to, to Queenstown from, I guess, living in Auckland? Well, I actually came to Queenstown quite soon after I arrived in the country. So I think I've been coming here since maybe 1991 yep. <laughs> and immediately loved it because I love the climate and I, I would only ever interestingly enough come down in the winter yep. and you know come for skiing or if I wasn't skiing just to come here and be in the mountains and the alpine climate and about 20 years ago I think it probably was 15 20 years ago I started to think uh, you know I wouldn't mind living in, in Queenstown but it just feels too difficult to leave my family well when I say family my friends uh, in Auckland and so I would have the idea, but then I'd get, you know, get back to Auckland and think, nah, it's too difficult. And how am I going to drive down and how am I going to get my stuff down? And all that, you know, all that sort of thoughts would go through my head. And, you know, so that went on for some years, uh, thinking, shall I, shan't I? 
And then a year ago, when I came down for my sort of biannual visit, I thought, um, and I used to come down as well, actually, to teach. I used to come down off and on to teach. I, I gave quite a few workshops on chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia and also Qigong. Um, but I, a year ago, I came down to teach and, and I thought, right, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to come. And down and I went back up to Auckland and I started packing up my things and I thought yeah it's definitely gonna happen and that was sort of October November December time and then I had the offer of a place to stay for three months uh, at, at the beginning of this year um, and but I just sort of missed it because I was busy with other things and then COVID hit so that just put the whole thing on on the shelf so to speak because I thought well I don't know what to think now mm. and then as we came out of lockdown, I suppose it must've been about June, I started thinking about it again. And I had already had half my stuff packed up, uh, you know, in somebody's basement, a friend's basement. So I thought, oh, well, what I'll do is I'll come down for five months and I'll test it out. That feels safe. And I'll sublet my place. And I'll keep my place in Auckland because uh, I had sublet it a couple of years before when I went overseas. I thought, that's what I'll do. Then it's sort of like a win-win and, and no risk. But I couldn't find anybody to sublet to that was, you know, I had to be the right person and, and the, mm. the right people were just not coming along. So then I had a decision. Well, either you leave it another year or you go now and you just leave completely and you move out. And I suppose partly it was the, you know, the COVID situation, which, you know, is still ongoing of the uncertainty of you don't know what's going to happen. You can't keep putting things off, you know. So. I just decided to do it and it, it, it felt way out of my comfort zone, but I'm so glad, so glad that I did it. Yeah, ex excellent. So, um, so the place, so your place in Auckland, have you actually now sold that or was that? No, I didn't. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't own anything. I, I actually spent my house on all the, all the searching I did to find the answers to get well and all the professional okay. training that I did. So yeah, I, I don't own anything, unfortunately. Okay. So yeah, beautiful place, uh, um, Queenstown. I guess, um, what are your favourite things to do uh, whilst here? Is there anything you like to sort of get out and see or do? Or, or, or well, I have to say the thing that I've discovered, even though I've been coming for 25 years, never really discovered, mm -hmm. but I have discovered since I've been here, is the walks. The, just these incredible walks, you know, tramps and walks that... It's just an unending number of them with staggering vistas. And that that's a big thing for me. Um, and I play tennis, so joined the tennis club. <laughs> and, uh, and I do some voluntary work. So, and I'm trying to <laughs> run my business. So, you know, that's enough to keep one person busy. So tell us a bit about, um, you, you said you're an expert in emotional intelligence. Tell us a bit about uh, some of the things, I guess, uh, that you sort of found in your research and, I guess, advice that you might like to give uh, in, in respect to, to, being, to doing this. Well, the fascinating thing about emotions is that, A, they have an, ex an, an extraordinary effect inside of us, but most of us have no idea what that effect is. So when I discovered that my clinical depression, which had me hospitalized, and depression is the depressing unconsciously of emotions, and 
when I discovered that my most of my physical symptoms, whether they were my back problems, my allergies, my asthma, my chronic fatigue, what, whatever, whatever, you know, condition you could name underneath when one digs underneath one finds that there's a situation that has cre created some uncomfortable emotions that have not been faced or resolved and that causes either physical illness or it causes some form of unhappiness and you know disease is just dis-ease so <clears throat> i very i've been very very fascinated and have spent the last 20 years really focusing on on learning about emotions and learning how to master emotions and teach other people how to do that and <clears throat> and, and the latest project really is going to be bringing some very basic emotional intelligence into business uh, in the form of a game <laughs> um, so that it's not threatening because most people are afraid as soon as you talk about emotions most people they just want to change the subject there's such a fear and that all goes back to <clears throat> what happens in the first few years of our life when we're, we're we're afraid to feel our feelings through you know our familial upbringing and cultural con conditioning so we have an unconscious fear of feelings um but it creates a lot of problems when we don't deal with our emotions yeah, fair enough that's a fair call so i don't know if you can tell us anything about this game that uh, you've been talking about in relation to this is there any Anything you want to give away on that, or is that something we have to? If you, you have to be um, a client to, to know what you're doing there, or what's this? I'm I'm literally in the process of finishing a training, so I actually don't want to say too much at the moment and can't say too much. I haven't even got my elevator elevator pitch ready, <laughs> but it's it's about bringing the concept of not being afraid to name what you're feeling or share what you're feeling in terms you know in the workplace but also it's about naming well how do i want to feel and how don't i want to feel because often people they will feel feelings but they won't have labeled them they won't have identified them but then that affects everything because for example say you're feeling grumpy and depressed or depressed and i know what i was like, like 30 years ago i when i was before i was diagnosed with depression i was working in a travel company <clears throat> And I, and I was a sales person, a sales manager, and I had targets to meet and I would go into work and I'd sit at my desk and it would take me half an hour to rev myself up, to have the enthusiasm to do any work at all. My productivity was just so down. My creativity was just so down. My enthusiasm was non-existent. <clears throat> and I'd sit there and then I'd rev myself up. It would take me half an hour and then I'd be okay for the rest of the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I would come back in the next day and I'd have to do the same thing all over again. And nobody knew, nobody in that office knew what was going on for me. They'd see me sitting at my desk. They'd see me on the phone. They'd see me doing my work. They, they thought everything was fine. So if we feel crap inside, it affects our creativity, our productivity, our ability to relate to other people. It affects everything. And we know that, but people don't talk about it enough. So it's about, getting it out in the open in, in a non-threatening way and just bringing insights to ourselves that we wouldn't have had before if we hadn't played this game and learned a little bit about emotions. And it's, so it's for, it's for individuals to learn about themselves, to learn what they, how they do want to feel, how they don't want to feel, but it's also for the team leaders or the, the managers 
to decide, well, how do we want our team to feel? Because we behave out of, our, out of how we feel, right? Like a depressed person is going to behave completely different to a happy, joyous person. Um, but not enough you know, awareness has really been given in general to this topic in our culture. No, I, I agree. There's not there's not a lot that I um, that you get bombarded with when it comes to to things like um, emotional intelligence, but certainly a very very important issue. And uh, uh, I don't I have seen one one of my good friends and a neighbour did write a book once about um, emotional intelligence um, in business uh, in particular. But um, so apart from that, I haven't really seen yeah I don't really haven't seen a lot of people write too much about it or come across. It. Too much. No. So for you to sort of go in there, it's certainly a bit enlightening, I guess, your your um, comments in relation to, to that. Um, so yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I guess a couple of interesting things maybe to ask. Um, what what would you say? Uh, what what's some of your favourite uh, TV shows, or what what sort of if you do watch TV and there's any sort of TV series that you sort of get into, or, or a favourite movie? Well, it's interesting because I stopped watching TV about a year ago. I had been trying to wean myself off because a it you know you can easily pass two or three hours watching TV where that those hours could have been used doing something else. Yep. Plus, I absolutely detest ads, mm. and you know there's a lot of rubbish on TV. So I'd been trying to wean myself off, and I suppose the main channel that I was watching up to that time was Bravo. Interestingly enough. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know some of these reality TV shows. I can't think of them. Like the the um, real estate one in LA and New York. I can't remember million oh, yeah. dollar whatever. And, <clears throat> and, uh, and then I was house sitting for somebody last Christmas. It seems God. It seems like five years ago, and it was only a year ago now. <laughs> and they had Netflix, yeah. and, and I'd never watched Netflix, and so I started mm-hmm. watching it, and I was like, wow, great, no ads some good documentaries, some great mm. films, some great series. So I got stuck into that and mm. was quite into that for a while. But recently I haven't watched so much. But, mm. if, you know, if I think of what series, the, I mean, I, lo- I love chick flip movies, you know. But as far as series, I mean, I watched The Crown and the, the next season is just due out this week, I think. Okay. Really enjoyed that. Um, and, oh, my goodness. It's like you have to say the name and I go, yes, I've watched that. I can't think of the names of the, um, oh, it'll come to me. There's um, something to do with the Virgin. I can't think of the uh, name. Jane the Virgin. Okay. That, okay. Yeah, which, which is very good, actually. It was a really good storyline, really good acting. Nothing mm. really to do with being a virgin, but not much anyway. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, Netflix is one of those things. I think people, like people were getting more into it in more recent years. And I myself probably not much much into Netflix as I am probably in the last couple of years. It's, it's certainly taking off and, you know, in a way. There's always you know, there's interesting things that come out from time to time. Documentaries, um, things, political stuff as well, or history. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, all those different stories. Uh, There's a really good documentary, um, Tony Robbins, I'm Not Your Guru. It's a very, that was really good on that. Okay, well, there is a shout out to Tony Robbins. Uh, <laughs> he's been around for a long time, that guy as well, but he doesn't seem to age too much. He seems to, <laughs> seems to uh, hold it. Um, 
Yeah, so no, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, where do you think things will go for you in the future? Do you think uh, Queenstown's going to be here? You're going to be here the rest of your life? And, um, and I guess, what does the future look like, do you think, for you? I think that's a really difficult question to answer. Um, a, because of the current situation which we're in. Yep. Um, and B, in general, one never knows. Mm. I know that I'm here now and I don't have plans to leave at this point. I'm doing my best to, to make, you know, feel at home because that was one of the things that I always found difficult in Auckland was feeling like a needle in a haystack. Um, you know, it's a huge place. There's no social hub really. So here I'm, you know, really making an effort to start getting, getting to more social activities and get to know people. And that takes time. One can't rush it. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't have plans to head off <laughs> at all. Um, and, you know, as far as my work, I mean, really, even though we, we, we've talked about, you know, I, I work as a health professional and I work as an emotional intelligence trainer. Really, what the heart of my work is, is helping people to change themselves in a positive way so that they contribute to the planet in a better way because we need that right now we we're in a mess and it's only by elevating our consciousness and transforming ourselves from the inside out which means we change our values we change our behavior we change how we think how we treat people there is so much change that has to happen collectively to humanity to get us out of the situation that we have got ourselves into and that is really my focus i think as far as i see it now for the rest of my life is is helping people transform their consciousness and helping uplift humanity no i think that's very wise words and it's probably probably a good place to uh finish the podcast i do thank you very much for your uh for your time here on a friday uh you're obviously one of my first guests in this new podcast series so i do thank you very much you're always good to learn about somebody um that you know haven't met before so it's it's great to to um you know, obviously have this conversation and what we'll be able to do is be able to share, share this out to your, um, to your network and I'll be able to share it out to my network as well and uh, we'll get it out there and obviously, um, yeah, hopefully that, uh, help, you know, hopefully people will get something out of this and I'm sure that uh, they will. So thank you very much. Any, and any sort of final words? No, I don't have any witticisms or anything that, that come to mind right now. Nothing prepared. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's fine. Thank you very, very much again. And um, I'll look forward to seeing you someday. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. No worries. Okay. See ya.